and that is something for all of us. So, uh, Pope, why don't you come on up here, and would you pray with me? God, thank you for my brother. Thank you for my friend. Uh, thanks so much for his heart. Uh, thank you for his commitment to you. Thank you that uh, though he and his kids would admit he is not perfect, he is an all-star in my book as a single dad. And uh, he brings a very unique perspective um, to this subject matter. And I pray that you would speak through him. I pray that you would protect him as he shares, that you would protect him from any spiritual attacks. I pray that you would protect his voice and his mind and his lips, that the meditations of his heart and the words that come from his mouth would be pleasing and acceptable to you. So we pray this together and, and are so grateful, God, uh, that you give us a place to gather and worship freely. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. So yeah, we have a few people out traveling. And so you're gonna have to be extra loud, extra excited, extra enthused. I'm proud of you guys for being in the spray zone. That's awesome. You're brave. Thank you for being there. Um, it makes it fun, because you know, it's, it's not snowing today. It's like it might actually be heading towards summer. Although, Bonnie Lou, I, I have, it probably was my fault. I was really happy as it snowed because I'm like, I don't have to mow. I don't have to do this. I can just stay inside and chill out and have fun. So if you haven't already, get your Bibles out and your notebooks out. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the, in the chair in front of you. If there isn't, raise your hand. We'll get you one. Better to raise your hand to get a Bible than me spot you later and say, hey, where's your Bible? Um, we're doing all that great stuff. I have the privilege of finishing up our three-week series on relationships, which has been awesome. Brian kicked us off with parenting and, and how to parent in a godly manner. And last week, Alex talked about marriage and covenant marriage and how it's self-sacrificing. And so if you weren't here or you're new to the church, it's on podcast. I think last week, it's actually the first week it was videotaped and that's live, so you get to see it in all its glory. It'll be awesome. So please catch up with everything. So. Marriage, parenting, they're pretty cool. And it seems a lot of times that the people that are married and the parents seem to get all the glory. But as I stand here in front of my fellow single friends, I want to make sure you understand that there are five reasons that it's great to be single. And we're going to go through those right now. So number five. <laughs> the bed is yours. Any direction. Tight tucked in sheets, loose sheets, no sheets, whatever. It's your bed. It's awesome. Number four, you can eat macaroni and cheese right out of the pot you made it in. Yeah, don't judge me. I know some of you do it and you just hide it whenever someone's out of town. I get that. Number three, personal, oh, am I off right here? I'm off. Okay, number, where am I at? Where are we at? For four, um, personal grooming is optional. I can't read it, it's so tiny up there. Personal grooming is optional, so it's a good thing, right? <laughs> Big beard, no beard. If I'm wearing a hat, be, be afraid. Okay, then number three, you can eat macaroni and cheese right out of the pot you cooked it in, kind of lost that. Number two, the time between Christmas and Valentine's Day is a whole lot cheaper. <laughs> This is really important. So if you are thinking about dating and it comes around Thanksgiving and you're still single, wait till March. <laughs> it's just a, my gift to you. 
And the number one reason it's great to be single is you can bring Doritos to every single potluck and nobody will judge you because I don't have Tupperware. That's all I'm saying. All right. I'll fix my slides next time. <laughs> so we're going to take a, a biblical look at what it's like being single, right? And, and for a lot of us, that's hard, okay? And for the most part, the Bible really doesn't outline what that means, right? We have to look at relationships that happen within the Bible. We have Adam and Eve. We have Mary and Joseph. We have Ruth and Boaz. We have Samson and Delilah. We have all these wonderful stories <laughs> that talk to us. <laughs> about dating and how we move through it. And, and you know, but the cool thing is the Bible is very clear about what our relationships are supposed to look like. So we're gonna examine those today and we're gonna talk about it. Why me? Why am I talking about this, right? It's like, hey Mark, you wanna talk about singles? Well, thanks, I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, I was single, believe it or not. I was a single teenager. I was a single adult. In fact, I didn't become unsingle until 32. I'm not going to say I was a good single. I got married, and then I had kids, awesome kids. I have great kids. I have a granddaughter. I am full of experience in this area. And now, unfortunately, I'm single again. So I understand the whole progression. I understand how it feels. Um, it's not always great. And that's just my story. And, and we look out over the, the room, we all have our stories. And I want to be, us all to be very aware of that, that that's just my story as a single person. It's different for me as a guy than as there's someone that's a woman. It's different when you're 14 than when you're 90-something. It's different when you're divorced. It's different when you're widowed. Right? And that's not even to mention the people that are, are going through marriages and everything else. So as we look at this, we're going to take kind of a broad stroke at it, but at the same time, I want us to be very aware that we're all different. This is not going to be a purity talk. Okay, I'm not going to tell you a purity. We're going to address it, but it's not about that. It's not going to be a how far can you go talk. That's not my area. And I'm definitely not going to be able to tell you how to find the right one. Okay, not necessarily my expertise as well. However, we are going to talk about what the Bible says and what it's like in this culture. The elephant in the room is that being single isn't necessarily looked at as a good thing. If I asked all the single people to raise their hand right now, don't do it. Most of us would be like, why are you calling me out? There'd be one or two. Hey, how you doing? I'm single. Let's go grab a Cordoba. There'd be a couple of us out there, right? But for the most part, we're all going to be like that. And, and it's weird because even in society where the culture is so everything I want, it still looks bad. That, you know that 50% of the adults in America are single. That's a lot of people. And because of this added pressure, there's a lot of loneliness. There's a lot of depression. There's a lot of, no one wants me. What's wrong with me? There's a lot of hurt, right? And judgment. You add into those added pressures of, of what the culture is saying and what the stuff you see on TV and the way people look and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, if you're into that thing. It can be really hurt. 
So I'm standing here today because I understand what it's like to, to feel that joy of finding someone and being married. Feel that hurt when they leave. And I'll stand as a single man at 51 and occasionally look at the God and say, why? Am I going to spend the rest of my life alone? What do you want me to do? This stinks. I don't understand. That's the cheery part of the message. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So what does culture say about dating, right? So there's like thousands, literally thousands of dating sites. And I was like watching something, maybe the basketball last night, and eHarmony said, someone falls in love every one something minutes. And I'm like, really, eHarmony? Who tracks that? <laughs> but, you know, there's... There's all these dating sites, and it's, and it's all about, you know, some of them are like, really, find your love. Some are like, hey, let's just meet somebody and, and hook up. And it's like, date as many people as you want, as long as you want to find that one. Marriage isn't necessary. Who needs a piece of paper, right? It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. We can do whatever we want. And just like Alex said last night, dating and singleness is becoming this cultural consumer issue. It's all about what I want when I date. And that's how we look at it sometimes. You know, we'll go, hey, how can I help them? It's like, ooh, I want a date. I want to be with somebody. Nope, nope, nope. Cats, nope. <laughs> right? And it's, it's, that, it's that consumer mentality that keeps driving us down and keeps pushing us in an area where we just start feeling desperate and lonely. Right? What does the Bible say? The Bible says this what Alex was talking about last week, what Brian was talking about the week before. It's a covenant love mentality. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. Yeah, it's a gift, and it's something that makes me happy. But if I go into something with only my pleasure in mind, it's probably not going to turn out too well. The Bible talks about purity, right? And I was young. I wasn't a good teenager, I'll admit it. I started out wanting to be a good teenager. I started out wanting to be that kid. I wanted to be that good Catholic kid. I did pretty well for a while until people start saying, but if you love me, you'll do this. Everybody else is doing it. Why aren't you? And people start making fun of you, right? Because that's what our culture says, and it's a battle. It's a continual battle everywhere we go. So what does the Bible say about purity? If you have your Bibles, turn to a Colossians. Um, we're going to be in chapter 3. And we're going to start at verse 1. If you're new to the Bible, it's kind of near the back. It's really tiny. This is Paul, and he's, he's writing to the Colossians because they were starting to have some issues. Right? They'd started out really strong with Christ, but they're starting to, to battle a little bit. So we'll start with one. And Paul writes, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. What an awesome verse of, of God reminding us that, that our minds aren't to be here on this stuff on earth. But it's temporary. But we are, we are living already with the living God. 
We are already with him. We already have that power. We already have that might. We already have that strength within us if we choose to accept it. Now, Paul being who Paul is also gave us a little warning. So if you've read ahead, this is where it gets a little deeper. So starting at at verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of those things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living with them. That's a really scary verse at the end. Immorality comes from the Greek word pornia. Any guess what comes from that? Some of your Bibles will translate it fornication. I'm in the NASB. It's that, that act of, of being our eyes taken away. He talks about impurity. And it's not just impure in actions. It's, the word doesn't necessarily mean that in Greek, that it's what I do It's impure. It's what I do and who I am that is impure. And that passion and that lust that draws us away from God and eventually becomes idolatry. And I think I could probably spend 35 minutes on this. Wouldn't that be fun? But I don't think I need to, to be honest with you. We know this. We know this as Christians that we are called to something higher. We know this as Christians that that the world is going to draw our attention away. Whether it's some Netflix streaming thing, whether it's my phone, the music I listen to, what I watch, what I hear, what I say, who I talk with. I know the world is going to do its best to keep me from my main point of focus, which should be God. We have a real enemy. Satan doesn't want you to be in love the way God wants you to be in love. And I know that sounds weird, but it is. Do you know that now, this is, this, and, and I'm, I love the Me Too movement, I love all this stuff happening because we're getting this stuff out, but here's one thing that I want you guys to realize, that women now are equal with guys in pornography. That's not a, something to be proud of. That's not a good place to be equal. Right? Jesus warned us in John chapter 10. And he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's a reason purity is so important as a single person, as a dating person, as a married person, as whatever kind of person you are, because that walk is what leads you through life. If you're not following God with all your heart and all your soul and every piece of you, you can't expect to feel the whole blessing of God. God still loves you. God still wants you. God's still around you. But Satan will do everything he can do to ruin that relationship between us and God. And quite personally, it's not about us. It's about Satan going after God, and we're just tiny pawns in that game. 
The cool part about this verse that I love so much is that Jesus then says, but I that came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Well, Paul started out with the, with the part and went to the, that tough part. Jesus says, no, here we go. The end game is you have life, life like it was meant to be, life that was meant to be full, life that you can walk home and not regret the decisions you made when you were 17, 25, 33, 64, right? That you can live life to its fullest. You can live life in a way that's free. And I understand that I have, I have no right to, to speak in this matter as a pure person. I am not. And as Brian pointed out, I am not perfect. My kids will give you like four weeks of things about how I'm not perfect. But I know I have a God that loves me. And I know I have a God that wants to redeem me. And I know if we're in any of these places, any of us in this room, God is waiting for us just to look at him and say, Help because I have life for you. That, that where you're at right now is where you're at right now. That's just the starting place to something great if you choose God. So what are you supposed to do? What are we supposed to do if we're single? We need to focus on God and what he wants us to do. I know that's easier said than done when your whole world feels like it's just crashing it, okay? And I know a lot, I'm talking a lot right now to the singles that, that want to date or, or things have happened in the relationships. This is also to singles that don't want to date and don't need to date and want to be single and people keep pressuring them. This is to you too. You need to focus on what God wants you to do. We need to stop looking at this moment right here and start looking at the goal out there. Right? If we start focusing too much where we're at right now, we very rarely have the vision to keep going. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is probably one of all our earliest memory verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. It's that trust in God that makes wherever we're at in life not only bearable, but enjoyable, life-giving. It's that part where we reach out to God and and it just doesn't say trust, trust, and acknowledge. Right? It's one thing, and as we've all been kids, when they say, well, you shouldn't do this, and we trust our parents for saying it, we don't necessarily acknowledge our parents for saying it. Does that make sense? If we trust God in what he's saying and we acknowledge that and we follow what he says to do, that path that we're on may not necessarily be the path we thought we wanted to be on a little bit ago, but it'll end up being the path to the place we need to be and where we want to be. If you're single and you feel hopeless and you feel lonely and you feel hurt, look to God. I know this is really churchy talk. I get it right? But it's real. 
whether it's two minutes a day, whether if it's just starting out going for a walk and talking to God. I always joke, people, I used to walk through a park holding Jesus' hand while I walked, and people would just look at me really weird. <laughs> but it's what I needed to do for me, because that's when I heard Jesus. If you're single and you want to stay single, awesome. Ask God what he wants you to do. What do you want me to do? He will tell you, and then he'll guide that path for you. If you're married, if you're dating, if you're engaged, if there's anything in your life and you don't know what to do, this verse is for all of us, right? We have to leave on God because God is what gives us the strength that we need to keep going. In Philippians, Paul told us to be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. In everything. And we've seen this verse a lot over the last few months. And I keep wondering maybe God's trying to tell us something. In everything. Good things, bad things. Let God know and do it with thanksgiving. Thank you, God, because I can come before you. Thank you, God, because you're awesome. Thank you, God, that you saved me when things are bad. Thank you, God, for walking me through one of the worst parts of my life. And now I'm here and I know you'll walk me through the rest of my life. And I can trust you on that. When we meet here for prayer in the mornings, on Sundays, it's awesome because we get to talk to God. And he gets to talk to us without interruption of TVs, phones, Spotify. Our focus always needs to be on what God wants to do. So if you're signal and you're like, okay, Mark, that's all nice, what do we do? What do you do? You don't stay at home doing nothing. I like that too at times. I think it's really nice to go hide. I get it. Volunteer. Our app has a big button that says, volunteer. Push the button, see what's there. It's pretty cool. Our life groups pack boxes and backpacks for foster kids. Pretty cool. They feed homeless every day in Boulder, Denver, Longmont. Pretty cool. Volunteer, find something to do. It doesn't even have to be church related. Go pick up trash. Go up in the mountains and help those guys out. Pick it up, cleaning up trails. Whatever you need to do, type in Google, volunteer opportunities in, and you'll find something. And I'm not saying it because doing something, and every science person says it, every psychologist says it, doing something will start bringing you up, right? Spend your time focusing on God, looking around. What does God have for me? Where does God want me to be? Spend more time in prayer. And I know that's hard. I get that. But if you do it, you'll start hearing his voice again. Don't look at every other single person as a potential relationship. That's just weird. <laughs> and I know it's hard sometimes. I get that. But don't. Right? Recognize God's power and love and goodness and faith in you. Right? He chose us. He said, come. I have faith in you. And finally, when you start dating, don't ditch all your single friends. That's just mean. Still hang out with them. Invite them over. 
You have friends. You have family. And that brings us to this family. So as a church, what are we supposed to do for our single friends and our hurting friends, right? First and foremost, we need to be part of that single person's life, right? And right now, I, I want to apologize. And I've always kind of felt this, and then I was reading this book while I was studying for this, and it really got me, is how, and even we say it, this is a family church. We love our kids. And it's not intentional, but sometimes as a single person, you're like, but I'm not a family. I'm not married. I don't have kids. So I apologize for myself if I've ever done that. And I know I apologize for all of us because, as Brian mentioned, we, this church, we want to represent every single piece of society that exists. Whether you know Jesus or you've known him his whole, your whole life, you need to be welcome here because we're all taking a step closer to God and none of us is there yet. So if we've done that, I apologize. So as a church, what we need to do is embrace that. Embrace the people that are going through stuff. Embrace the people that are single. Invite them over, right? Invite them over and say, hey, come on, let's go out for lunch. You know, our life groups are awesome about that. And I love that about our life groups because, um, well, except for the, single, the young adults life group because if you're too old, they don't let you in. But everybody else is really inclusive. <laughs> Except for those guys, I asked. They said, too old. <laughs> but I mean, our life groups, we have married couples, we have young couples, we have single young people, single old people, not that old is bad, all these things, everything, everybody's mixed together. And it's this great group where you get to be together for a change and you don't have to be someone you're not. You can be part of the family. And that's what we are. We're a worldwide, universal family that sometimes excludes each other. And we got to stop that. Right. right? That's what we have to do. If, if a person comes up to you and says, I'm sad, and says, I, I just want to find someone to spend my life with, don't say, it's okay, the perfect one will be coming just around the corner. Because that's a lie. You don't know that. And they know that. Say, hey, I'm sorry. I love you. I'll be praying for you. Let's go out for lunch. Hang out with us for a while. Right? Don't tell us the perfect one's coming. I don't know if God has the perfect one for you. It's not right for me to say that. And if they don't want to be set up, don't set them up. <laughs> don't set us up. Has no one seen Fiddler on the Roof? If they ask, or you can casually ask them, hey, I do know someone, would you like that? And they say, yes, that's fine. If they say no, never ask again. <laughs> if they're single, and you know they want to be single, quit saying, so you dating anyone? When are you going to get married? That's never any fun either. Just hug on them. Just hold them. I am so grateful for a lot of the families in this church. Like, there were pennings, Billy and Lisa. I never feel like the third wheel there. I feel like one of their friends. They just happen to be married. Now, Josh and Grace get a little weird because they make out too much and it makes you feel like that's, that's a whole different story. But everybody else, I mean, just 
Welcome people in. Don't have just a singles meeting. If you're single, don't say, hey, let's get all the singles together. Invite some married people too. They're pretty cool. They might have some great advice. They might be fun to hang out with. They mean to get away from the kids. If you know single parents, help them out. Take their kids for a while so they can go on a date. If it's a single dad, man, poor Joe, just let him go ski by himself for a couple days. Let him do what he needs to do. Clean. My address is back there on the wall. (laughs) Anytime, come on over. Bring plenty of bleach. What we do together starts blurring the lines between these culturally segregated units. The singles, the dating, the married, the divorced, the widowed. It's not meant to be that way. We're all meant to be one family, all going in one single direction. So for the last three weeks, which has been really cool, right? Brian kicked us off with doing parenting God's way. And then Alex talked to us about doing marriage God's way. And I'm doing my best to teach you about doing singleness God's way. And in a way, that seems weird that we do it in that order, right? So either Brian's brilliant, which I'm going to give you that, <laughs> or it just accidentally happened. But if we reverse engineer this thing, don't we want the end goal in mind when we start? If that's where I'm heading, if that's what I want, I need to know what that end goal is. And that end goal is, is always whatever I do, whatever I say, however I act, whether I'm a parent, a kid, a teenager, whoever I am, by living pure and following God, I'm doing it His way. Not my way. Because I don't know if you notice, when I do things my way, really bad things happen. And usually other people go down with me. We are intended and we're created to be in a relationship with God. In fact, we're often called the bride of Christ. That's really weird for us guys. Right? Sometimes we're like, ooh, that's weird. Um, but it's true. And in Matthew, when Jesus was, was, was talking to the Sadducees and arguing about marriage, you're like, well, who's married who? And he goes, there is no marriage in heaven. You're like, the angels, you're with me. You're all with me. Those that chose me spend heaven with me in a relationship that you can't even comprehend. This relationship we have now, if you're married, those greatest moments, the best moments of your whole marriage and your life are just a shadow of what to expect in heaven. It's like you get a little swim buddy now to kind of figure it out, not hurt people. (laughs) But it's just a glimpse. The power of God and what we get through him is amazing. In Corinthians, Paul told us, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy because I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. Paul goes, I want to teach you because you're engaged. You're engaged right now. You're engaged to be married with the greatest thing in the world. And I know that's hard to fathom, but that's where our relationship ends. And whether we are single, trying to figure out who we date and who we don't date and what we watch on TV, 
to someone dating, to someone married, it all points to that relationship. Because it's really pretty simple. Before we date, before we marry, before we have kids, we're all supposed to be before him. It is, it is that point that matters more than anything else in the world. Jesus told us that if we first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added onto you. And I realize a little out of context in that. He was talking about food, clothing, but he was talking about daily life, daily hurt, daily problems. What happens today? If we seek his righteousness now, his love now, what was intended for us will come. Right? I can't promise you the perfect partner. I can't promise you a perfect marriage. I can't promise you perfect kids. I can promise you that if you seek God and his righteousness in every single thing you do, you will find the perfect plan. And that perfect plan will be for you, regardless of where you're at in life. Regardless of what you've been through, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter anything. If you look towards him, that's where he's there. So after these three weeks of looking at relationships, the end comes down to this. Our relationship with God makes us great parents. And our relationship with God makes us great spouses. And our relationships with God makes us great singles and great people. So I challenge you to press into God. Even if it's a little bit at a time, even if it's five minutes a day, to start. I dare you to walk around a park holding his hand. It's really kind of funny when people look at you, but it's worth it. Do it in the car. Kick the kids in the back seat. I know this is hard for a lot of us to hear this, right? But that hope that we have, that's what we have to hold on to with every little piece we have. Because once we do that, we'll hear God, we'll know where to go, and we will understand. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your love and your goodness, your forgiveness, your guidance, your perseverance, and your promise. God, I ask today that, that we'd recognize that in you. That we could see that we can trust you no matter where we're at in life, no matter what we're going through, that God, you are here for us. And Father, I pray for everyone in this room right now that is hurting and is struggling, whether they're single, married, divorced, young, old, 
God, would your presence fill them right now? Would your spirit fill them right now when they feel your love in a way they've never felt it before? And God, as we leave this building today, may your heart be our heart. May we see what you see. And may we love like you love. In Jesus' name.